good? You're listening to Wasted Radio. My name is Matt, and today I have a great episode. This is with John Torn of Might Suba Records of Scavengers and formerly of Recon. Now, John and I were connected through Rob from Take Life, and uh, at the end of his episode, he shouted out a whole bunch of people, um, one of which was John. I tagged him in the posts. Uh, He reposted, we chatted back and forth a little bit, started talking about retro gaming, which is something that he's really interested in, so am I. Uh, So we got to talking, we got to talking about hardcore, then talking about him and his time in recon. Then I found out that he had played um, some of the crazier shows that I had attended and that we had some stories in common, and it just felt natural that John should come on Wasted Radio. So before we get into that, I really, uh, I just want to hype his band Scavengers for a second here, because if you have not listened to Scavengers, first of all, um, you want to find them on Instagram and give them a follow there at scavengers underscore Albany. That's Albany as in Albany, New York. So scavengers underscore A-L-B-N-Y because they are a really cool band. Was that corny? Okay, so yeah, that was corny. Um, they they really, honestly, um, I love Scavengers. Um, I have been listening to this LP on repeat, and I'm going to play a song from it. The LP is actually called Anthropocene. I believe that's how you pronounce it. And they put it out on Patient Zero Records, at Patient Zero Records 413 on Instagram. And the merch is available through uh, John at his label, Mitsuba. And that's at... M-A-I-T-S-U-B-A. So there's all your Instagram links. If you want to listen to Scavengers, that's at scavengersny.bandcamp.com. You click on the LP, Anthropocene, and you're going to find, well, the song that I'm going to play first and foremost. This is track two on the album. I picked a long one because... It just kind of displays what Scavengers has to offer. It's going to give you a loud, obnoxious, heavy, hardcore sound. I think it's heavily inspired by bands like uh, Integrity and Ringworm. Actually, I know that because we talked about that. But you're going to have to listen to the episode to find out a little bit more about that. And, uh, you know, how the band made it through COVID. You're going to hear old recon stories. You're going to hear just a lot of interesting stuff. John is a really interesting guy. I'm super happy to have him on the show. Privileged to now call him a friend. And without further ado, my interview with John Torn. But first, here is Scavengers with Born of Thunder. Oh, I'm 
right, you are on here with Matt, and I'm with John Torn of Might Super Records and Scavengers and Recon, which we have to talk about. How you doing, John? Good morning. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Good morning. You? Now you're going to have to explain that to me because it is a quarter after eight. Did you just well, wake I up? Figure, uh, I did, but not like... I mean, I took a nap before this. I wanted to be like energized. I appreciate but, you know, that. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, alternatively, good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's good yeah. to talk to you, man. It's good to see you. And uh, I, I see that um, you've got your collection of scavenger stuff behind you. That looks really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just a couple of tour posters uh, from when we went to Europe. Uh, few years ago and we did a little run in canada uh so scavengers went to europe in 2018 uh we were going to go again in 2020 but you know some shit happened uh so touring didn't really happen well Um, yeah actually (laughs) while we're there i just wanted to talk to you about that because you know you guys started in what was it 2016 or 2015 in in and around that area yeah, 2015, and uh, we played our first show in 2016, and record, and we put out our first record at the beginning of 2017. And that was Progress um, to Oblivion. Yes, correct. Okay, so I'm familiar, and I'm familiar with um, the EP that you did afterwards, which I believe was 2018, and then, if I'm not mistaken, you guys wrote and recorded one during COVID. Is that correct? Sort of. Uh, okay. It came out. The timing of the release makes it look like we wrote and recorded it during COVID. And actually, some of the subject matter even makes it look like we wrote and recorded it during COVID. It but definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> we actually uh, um, wrote and recorded most of it in 2019. Um, but then there were, there was literally everything. So we thought we would do you know, the, the album thing and not just record it all in, in one day, you know, which is sure. how we did the first two things. So we recorded all the instruments down in uh, New Jersey with our friend Scott Moriarty, who we did uh, everything with so far, including some new stuff that we just recorded. And we recorded all the instruments with him. Then we took our time up here with the vocals uh, I play bass and sing, and our guitar player, one of our guitar players, Jeff, also plays and sings. So mm-hmm. Jeff and I went to our friend Ryan Slowey at Treewalker Audio up in Albany, and we were recording the vocals, um, you know, going in, taking our time. Like every every weekend we'd go in, do another song, and we had uh, one verse where we were like, ah, oh, we should redo that, we should fix that. And then all of a sudden uh, COVID happened. And it was like, well, you know, Ryan says, you know, once it calms down, we can come back over. And then like four months later, we were like, we just need to do that verse. So there's one verse that sounds like kind of fucked up because I did mm-hmm. it in my basement. Um, okay. And I'm not a pro audio guy. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> but besides that, it was all pre-pandemic. But then, you know, it takes like a year for a record to come out. So that's crazy. Uh, yeah, we yeah. yeah, we felt bad almost because there's a song about. Uh, I don't want to get like too into shit, but there's a song about um, how there's a song called the new plagues. Yeah. People want to read it and then get mad at me. They can do that. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, it looks like it was written in response to COVID. It was totally like predicting what would happen if there was a global pandemic. Sure. You know, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think one of the most interesting things um, looking back on COVID is not only how people reacted, but the, di- the diversity of opinions on it. Um, I, I, was never offended by any of the opinions on it, to be honest. I mean, yeah. people are always going to have something different to say from one another. And I think that if something that's said on a record comes off as abrasive, maybe not even meant in the context that, you know, like you said, this, well, it was actually written before COVID. So, you know, um, yeah. even if it comes off abrasive, I don't know. I see value in that. I, I mean, that's, that's, your that's your feelings that's artistic integrity and you know that's what i tune into a record for yeah and i feel especially with hardcore um if you're not making anybody a a little angry you're probably not doing hardcore right you know sure um i could i'm not saying everybody you know i don't think everybody in hardcore should have the same types of opinions but i do think um everybody in hardcore should have an opinion um, you know, not necessarily on one specific topic, but, uh, yeah, I would be, first of all, I never expect anybody to actually read the lyrics, but I would be bummed if, uh, nobody, I would be bummed if any of our records like didn't ruffle somebody the wrong way. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think that, uh, another thing that I actually, I like about scavengers, um, is you have a really fuzzy sound it's um it's very thick and very bassy and just you know like heavy hardcore sound um and i i really like the diversity that you know it's a completely different bag than what you're going to hear from you know uh recon or um just at war with shadows or you know anything else that you know anybody in the band has done before it's a completely different experience and it's it's dark and it's aggressive and to be honest with you um there's a lot of bands like that that i just never gave a chance to i don't know why um scavengers probably wouldn't be in my traditional wheelhouse of like hardcore bands that I would listen to. And I don't, I don't have a good explanation as to why, but I do know scavengers because I listened to you guys. Oh man. I think I found scavengers probably like four years ago or so. It must've been, yeah. Like it, it must've been um, during the EP which right. you're going to have to pronounce it for me. It had mental sewer on it, but yeah, um, <laughs> I'm going to say it wrong. Honestly, uh, you're supposed to say it right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ordovician. Fuck. Uh, so it's on, it. it's on scavengers, And it's a yes. really good EP. Um, Thanks. yeah, for sure. And I, I just think that it has, uh, I don't even know what to call it. I mean, it reminds me of just heavy, heavy punk or like D beat. There's some, there's a little bit of yeah. all kinds of, you know what I mean? There's, there's all kinds of stuff in it. It makes me want to break out my jacket with all the patches on it, you know? 
Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because everyone in the band is 40, give or take, uh, mm-hmm. some more give than take. And we've all been playing in bands since we were teenagers. And I think this is, uh, for the most part, the first type of band like this we've really done. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we all kind of got out our, uh, our, you know, other, our, our other hardcore energy, if you will, in Understood, previous yeah. bands. Um, you know, uh, our guitar player, Byron, who writes most of the stuff, he was in a couple old Albany bands like Straight Jacket and Wrath, which mm-hmm. are much more um, kind of straightforward, like what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go, if, if you think like slightly metallic hardcore, you know, sure. um, but you know, uh, it's not so much that we were like, Oh, you know, let's all try something new. It was more like, you know, when you start hitting like 30, 40 and you have so much music informing how you write, you know, sure. uh, like say none of us ever stop listening to new bands checking out new bands right Mm -hmm. i know you know you're the same way and you know it's like well i want to do something i want to do something different and then what ends up coming out if you're just like let's just you know erase the whiteboard and just do whatever comes out then what comes out might end up being a mix of 40 years of listening to heavy music you know understood uh, yeah you know, like probably our biggest influences would might surprise people because our guitar player, Byron, who writes probably 90% of the riffs. And then I don't want to say the rest of us only write 10%, but, you know, like in a lot of bands, um, recon is kind of the same way. One guy kind of comes with a song mostly done and then Mm -hmm. everybody else, you know, says that part sucks. Do this instead. Yeah. And, uh, but Byron's favorite band is ringworm. So like, but I don't think we sound like ringworm at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, you don't. But but I can <laughs> I can tell the uh, I mean, that makes sense, though, from from a listener right. perspective, like ringworm ringworm is a downtuned, fast, heavy band. Yeah. Um, you guys, you sound completely different, but I mean, I definitely right. I, I definitely understand. Um, I think I, I was actually just going to ask you about that too, the writing process, because I talked to a lot of bands. Um, on the mic and off the mic. And I usually ask the same questions because it fascinates me. But um, what's the writing process like? Because I see a lot of bands nowadays that are doing, you know, digital writing and kind of like what uh, Rob did with Take Life um, right. and studio projects and stuff like that. So what what's your uh, process like with Scavengers? Uh, not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we so. When. We did write some stuff during the pandemic. Uh, we wrote four songs that we uh, that we recorded this past October that are coming out on a split that I don't think I'm supposed to talk about, but hopefully sometime this year on Patient Zero Records. Uh, I just, I don't think I'm supposed to say who the other band is, but uh, it took us so long to write because um, we didn't want to get into a room, a practice room, before like we were vaccinated or anything uh because you know some of the guys in the band have kids so we didn't want to get into a cooped up practice room 
while pandemic was like full raging and risk anybody, you know, getting their kids sick or like getting our parents sick or anything sure, like you have that. Uncertainty like, swirling around and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so I understand completely. So we tried to uh do like what every band does now. Um you know, because everybody knows how to use computers now, everybody has computers, is like, you know, program a little simple drum beat in GarageBand or whatever and send it to the guitar player and and uh it just uh our our drummer even had like an electronic kit to like mm-hmm. actually like do like proper beats like that from his house and it just we couldn't do it um i've yeah. written stuff like that in other bands but uh some of the guys just couldn't like they have to be in a room together um, are, you, are you guys and actually long time friends yeah so I yeah. think, do you think it has something to do with the chemistry in the room? You know, you have to Probably. get together and yeah. Probably. Uh, and even um, when we did start practicing, um, when the pandemic was still like, you know, fully, fully raging, we actually had built like, a, we framed out. A, so we practice in basically my garage. Mm-hmm. So we were able to, um, frame up some walls and like hand plastic sheets and basically make like a like you know the Seinfeld episode with the bubble boy I do uh, yeah we, yeah so we made that for our drummer and the rest mm-hmm. of us like played wearing masks and we're like well we're not playing any shows so we don't have to worry about like practicing old stuff and like singing so we just you know we we're all wearing masks we didn't have to worry about singing at that at that time mm-hmm. uh, but basically it was yeah, we kind of needed that chemistry. Uh, we could have, we've had songs before that we've thrown out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like we totally couldn't write anything, but we, since we don't, we're not like a full-time band, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's no pressure like, oh, got to get the next record done before your next, you know, 10 month straight tour. Mm-hmm. It's like, we can take our time. Like we're not, you know, we're on a label, but it's our friend who does patient zero records. And, uh, he's not like, yo, I need a record to sell. You know, he's like, sure. He's like, get, give me guys, get, get you guys give me the record when it's done. Like, I like your band. I want to put out whatever you guys write. Yeah. And, you know, I put out, I put out a couple of our things like in like limited, uh, stuff sometimes, but there's and our old guitar player, Dave put out our first record. So there's never been like any pressure to write on a schedule. Sure. But I keep getting off track of your question, which was, uh, what's the writing process? So sorry, sorry about okay. that. That's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's basically fascinating. No, I mean, it, it, it's okay. fascinating to me. It's, uh, it's all fascinating. The COVID stuff, the, um, you know, just in general, but yeah, keep going. The, uh, the writing process. Yeah. Um, so our guitar player, you know, like most bands, we have one guitar player who writes the majority of the riffs. He'll come to practice. And he'll show us a song that he might think is totally done. Mm -hmm. And we'll be like, oh, man, that's so awesome until this part. And, you know, what if we just like, you know, we could make like a huge major suggestion or just like a minor suggestion. Like, what if you what if we do this part two times instead of four times? And he'll be like, 
oh dude i don't know because he's been working on that for like weeks and he's like you know that's like that's me he's <laughs> yeah he's been spending so dude me too and he's been spending so much time like getting it perfect and uh but then you know we'll record we always record when when we're uh writing new stuff sure and um then our guitar player takes the recording home and emails it to us you know before he goes to bed that night and whenever we're doing a new song we're at that phase where we're like, oh, let's change this and this and this. And he's like, oh, I don't know. The next morning he'll be like, yo, I listened to the way we played that on the practice tape. And that's perfect. That's how we got to do it. That's awesome. So it's really just, yeah. So we wouldn't be able to write without each other. We wouldn't be yeah. able to write these songs without each other. Absolutely. And one thing that I think is uh, valuable um, because like I can, I can kind of be a, a dictator in a band setting too. And I occasionally have to be put in my place. I can admit that. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think that I think one thing in the writing process that's invaluable is the ability to be honest with your friends yeah. and the ability to be told like because I and it's happened to me a million times. I've come with a banger riff that I've been like jamming all week or whatever, and I bring it in. It's not that good, dude. And it <laughs> and it, you know, kind of upsets your ego a little bit. But at the same time. Um, I, I mean, not only is it humbling, but I think that that in that way, you know, your friends are able to make you a better writer and yeah. you're, you're more equipped to build something together as opposed to just, I mean, it's great when you bring an idea start to finish and everything like that. But I think the beauty of writing in a band setting is everybody having the ability to put their own you know, flavor into it. That's why I prefer real drums to electric drums, you know, yep. just example. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've been playing, I'm, I'm literally 41 years old. I've been mm -hmm. playing in bands since I was like 13, probably, you know? Yeah. And I used to like, it took me a lot of years to realize that, uh, my idea, whether I came up with it in, in one evening or over the course of, you know, four weeks of writing that song isn't always the best you know, I know. and it's, i know it's you know <laughs> it's a hard pill to swallow <laughs> right but it's so uh like it, it's such a relief like when you finally you know em embrace that that possibility that you know your bandmates might have a good point sure and you know and sometimes and this happens with us all the time you know, we'll be like, oh, you know, no, 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 let's do it this way. And our guitar player will be like, all right, we'll try it that way. And then, you know, the next practice, he'll be like, no, I really think my way is right. And, uh, you know, so then we'll we'll sit and think and we'll be like, oh, shit, you know, actually this time he is right, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just, but it's, you got to have that humility in order to create something with your friends. Otherwise, you know. I mean, shit, everybody has a computer now that can record music, like just fucking record your own shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which I've resorted to. Um, so you said that you started playing. Well, when did you start playing guitar? Did you start with bass or, you know, where, where did you start and when did you start? Uh, so I started playing guitar. Um, I think guitar first, probably when I was like 11 years old, because uh, I was starting to get into like you know, rock music mm -hmm. like this is and this was before I was into hardcore, but I knew there were like heavy metal bands mm -hmm. um, in the neighborhood like 
there was stigma the neighborhood where i grew up there was stigmatic graffiti like all over and with sand stickers all over um and then i didn't really know i wasn't familiar with their music until i was a little bit older Mm-hmm. But when I was like 11, I started playing guitar because I thought like, you know, Nirvana was cool or whatever. And then I started playing bass because I had signed up for the school band. This is in like middle school. I was supposed to be playing trombone and I just couldn't grasp it. But then it's like getting late enough in the year where it's like, all right, well, we got these fucking school concerts and, you know, you still can't play this shit. But meanwhile, uh, you know, this these bass lines as they were still need to be played so here here's the you know 1970s you know school property fender bass guitar figure this out and, and you so stole I, it right you stole that guitar no but i thought about it every day <laughs> <laughs> uh but so i started playing bass by necessity so i wouldn't fail a class and uh instantly like that was my instrument i can play guitar I've played guitar in bands. I can do it, mm-hmm. but uh, I think I actually have something to offer on bass. <laughs> well, whereas guitar, I can just kind of you know get by. Well, you know, I've I've uh, talked to other musicians too about the value of the rhythm section in a hardcore band, which is bass and drums, and I think that yes. a lot of a lot of people um, underestimate the bass player or the bass instruments ability to be in the rhythm section in a genre like hardcore but yeah you know i think people forget even though you down tune your guitar to a or b or whatever guitar is yeah. still a mid-range instrument you yeah. know um and and a lot of that thump and a lot of that groove comes from the bass section so thank you public school yeah. system for giving us john torn's <laughs> <laughs> bass ability yes <laughs> um so when you started playing um I don't know how to kind of segue into this because I, I want to talk about what equipment you use, but I'm also interested in what equipment you used to use since you've been playing for so long. Yeah, sure. Uh, so for a long time, uh, I didn't have like very good equipment. Um, but once I joined uh, Recon, like up until that point, I've been playing guitar in bands for the most part. So mm-hmm. I had guitar equipment. Okay. But I was finally the well, the way I ended up joining Recon was uh, Tony posted on MySpace. Hey, does anybody want to play guitar or bass in a band? And I responded, I was like, yo, what's up? Because my band just broke up. And Tony's like, yo, well, since it's you responding, actually, this is for Recon. Mm-hmm. I want to switch to guitar. Do you want to play bass? I was like, fuck, yeah. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, shit, I need to get equipment. So. I just uh, bought some used stuff off a friend. I bought uh, a couple heart key transporter cabs, two 410s, and a PV Mark 8, I think, just some random PV solid state amp. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it was solid state. I don't even know. And use that for a couple of tours. And then the craziest thing, what still in my mind, one of the craziest things that's happened to me, and I've had some crazy shit happen to me is Hartkey, the artist rep from Hartkey, messaged Recon on MySpace after we had done a couple tours. And I was like, hey, I see your bass player plays uh, Hartkey cabs. Would you like some new cabs? And Mike, our guitar player, uh, saw the message and called me. 
And he's like, yo, you, you need to like log on to MySpace, like right now, like get to a computer. This is like before smartphones, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. So then Hartkey gave me a fucking endorsement and they gave me, uh, um, whatever cabs I wanted for a full stack. So two Hartkey XL cabs. Sure. And a Harky 5,500, um, head. That's and so dope. <laughs> yeah, dude. Insane. Like absolutely insane. Uh, still like, cause to me, like the top amp companies for bass have always been Ampeg and Hartkey. No doubt. I happen to prefer Hartkey and I know I've gotten in a lot of weird arguments with people. I don't think there's anything to argue about. You like whatever you like, you know, sure. people are like, shut yeah. up. You don't really like Harky. I'm like, no, I do. I like the aluminum cones, but people take uh, that shit real seriously. <laughs> yeah. But I use something different now. Um, now I have uh, a dark glass head, um, which oh, I got that's primarily. Yeah. I got it primarily because it's so small. Right. And I wanted something I could take and uh, carry on, on a plane. Yeah. Um, so that's why I got that. But I know, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Yeah, I know someone who has one of those. I don't really know much about bass equipment, to be honest. But I know somebody who, oh, no, um, they have a dark glass pedal that is, okay. yeah, it, it I, I think it's tube pedal. I think that there's a little, uh, I, I don't know. I know the pedal you're talking about. I think you're yeah, correct. Yeah. Like an EL34 or something. But um, anyway, that's, that's really cool. Um, so... You know, it always fascinates me, not only like just what equipment, you know, we used to use and stuff like that. I mean, I'm, I'm 31, um, but my old equipment, like I always had like 90s equipment and solid state and, and uh, sure. analog equipment and shit. And I've only actually over COVID or right before COVID was really when I started getting into like digital stuff and realizing that I could that I had a lot more ability to do things with my computer than I thought I did because I would always just rig up my 5150 or whatever um but uh it, it always fascinates me how far that technology has come I mean yeah. it's it's insane if you would have showed me the dark glass head that you can hold in the palm of your hand yeah, much, yeah. you know 20 years ago I would have been like yeah right okay right yeah, you know, uh, same um, here. So uh, uh, before we get into recon, uh, what were you in before recon? Oh, uh, I was in a few bands in the Albany and actually even the Poughkeepsie area, but didn't, that didn't really get out of the Northeast. I, I played guitar when I was in high school. I played guitar in a band called Sever. That was mm -hmm. like, I would not recommend listening to. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, then I played guitar in a band in Albany called uh, Save Yourself, mm -hmm. uh, which, again, didn't really like travel outside of the Northeast, really, and uh, or very much. And uh, I played guitar for a little bit in a Poughkeepsie band, Poughkeepsie, New York, called Rising Up, Rising Down, which yeah. actually, I guess, in retrospect, is kind of more of the style of Scavengers. Okay. But I, I was just in that band for maybe... Um, six months and recorded recorded with them and i uh i think it might have actually it was either a cd or a record i'm not sure but um and i sang in a few different bands but it was like uh yeah it was all like prior to like 2000 2006 is when i joined recon and actually the same time i joined recon you know they've been a band for like two years at that point they had done yeah. uh one tour 
Um, and then after that tour, Paul, the drummer joined and I joined maybe like a few months, maybe like six months after Paul. So mm-hmm. on the grave CD, um, I was there hanging out, but they just had Tony play, play bass. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause I was like, no, come on. Like I already know the songs. And they're like, no, we've been practicing as a four piece. Like mm-hmm. we only can pay for one day in the studio. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to mess with the formula. Sure. Uh, so I didn't play on the CD, unfortunately, but. Okay. Um, uh, now, but I was is... like playing shows as the CD was being recorded. Okay. So, so speaking as somebody who was going to shows and was into that music at the time, I'm from Altoona, as we've talked about, it's a beat down <laughs> hardcore town. Um, you guys really were bringing something to the table that we hadn't heard before. I mean, you know, and I remember when 3750 came out and that, you know, Acacia Strain album. And that was like, yep. whoa, um, I remember specifically, I remember distinctly when I heard Graves, um, cool. you know, and I just and it seemed like so, you know, I'll, I'll humbly say this without giving you all of the credit, but it seemed like after those albums were released a lot of bands started down tuning to like a or b or you know a lot more than than you know i think it was like you guys and bury your dead and like i don't know who else yeah it was probably i mean the down tuning i can safely say was not as much us because graves is actually in c um tuned to straight c oh no i remember that now yeah because when viper (laughs) city came out it was like oh yeah Yeah, so that's i mean that's a whole other uh tony and i no sorry mike and tony were the ones who kept tuning another half step down another half step down Mm -hmm. and paul and i were like this is so fucking corny like can't we just like like (laughs) tuning lower doesn't make it better but right. in retrospect, the songs sound fucking great in A, but yeah, they do. And uh, and back then, do you remember a genre called deathcore? I mean, no, I guess not. But I, at the same time, like mm-hmm. I was mostly not on the internet because I was spending most of my time either at work or in a van, sure, with a flip phone, you know, sure. So, as a fan, I was also already like twenty five, so I didn't like I wasn't in tune with the youth culture as much. I got you. <laughs> uh, yeah. As a fan, I mean, like when, when graves came out, I was 16. When Viper city came out, I was sure. 18. So, um, you know, as, as a fan who was like looking for the most aggressive music that I could find, like recon and the Acacia strain were probably it. Um, so you probably had a lot of fun in recon. I mean, you guys were playing oh, yeah. like the craziest shows, um yeah i was scared to dance in my own town when recon came through i think you guys came through twice and you know exactly what i'm talking about too because i sent you i sent you the video i'll have to put a clip of that up um uh you guys you guys came through and destroyed our venue um yeah which we well we destroyed it but (laughs) right um so so (laughs) so was that was that uh kind of a a uh driver in that band to make the the most chaotic uh angry aggressive music that you could 
I mean, we just wanted to play what we liked. Uh, sure. So, you know, obviously, I mean, obviously, or maybe not. Well, yeah. So I would say like the biggest influences musically for Recon were probably like, you know, a little bit of Terror or Ringworm, a um, little bit more Crowbar, and then a lot of Hatebreed, you know? Mm. So in a way, like, you know, earlier on, it kind of felt like, are we just a bad Hatebreed ripoff? But, you know, we kind of had our own style, like especially, you know, Mike, our guitar player is like, he can take the simplest riff and play it in the most insane, complicated way. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he, he grew up in Texas and you can tell from his fucking, you know, it's just, yeah. so we definitely had our own spin, on, but we just thought we were playing, you know, like Cape Reed style hardcore. We didn't think we were, you know, doing anything new and crazy. And then we just started tuning down because, you know, it seemed like it made it heavier. You know, we, we weren't trying to like, be crazy or like reinvent the wheel we just thought you know yeah like open chug mosh you know yeah sometimes we have like weird southern riffs in there because that feels like a good idea at the time we weren't trying to yeah push any envelopes we were just trying to write the heaviest shit we could think of absolutely well i never knew there was a crowbar influence in there but now that you say that it makes sense i i definitely think it shows through more on the later stuff like especially on the welcome to viper city album which mm. uh i didn't play on um because so three of us quit the band before that record was recorded oh really um yeah so uh our singer chris quit because he was like having babies and stuff i remember um yeah i remember new singer yep and uh tony our guitar player quit or sorry i quit after chris because uh, I didn't like the new singer as a singer. Like, he's a totally nice dude. Um, I actually saw him a couple of years ago, like super chill guy. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't like him as a singer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, ah, I did, I'm going to step away. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was like purely. You, you know, I remember being a kid and, you know, you'd see like, oh, bands, you know, went their separate ways because of artistic differences. That's got to be code. Like for, for me, it really was like. I don't like the new vocals, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get out of the way, you know? Um, and then Tony quit a couple months after that. So our friend Jerry uh, joined the band on bass. Tony was never replaced. And uh, they got that dude, Alex singing. Um, Alex and Jerry lasted maybe a year. And then our friend Jay sang, they had a few different bass players. And then when, the band to skip ahead a little bit um Mm -hmm. 2009 it had really just been mike and paul the guitar player and drummer with kind of like different singers and different bass players and then mike got asked to join a mirror and recon didn't have like any tours or anything booked at the time so he's like yeah you know because we were friends with those guys and then recon was super on the back burner and then a couple years later mike was like hey i have all these songs and tony and i were both like yo these songs are fucking sick like you know let, let us in sure, <laughs> and, uh, sure and no tony doubt. and i came back and then uh and rob sang on on that round on that that's record. fascinating yeah. so but yeah on that uh welcome to viper city you can hear like it's like 
you can hear the crowbar influence on that. Yeah, you can for sure. Do you know what guitar amps they were playing out of for that? Uh, yeah. So, fifty-one fifty, maybe fifty-one fifty-two. Okay. Um, Mike had so Mike has had many. So that album, the strings are all Mike, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's like eight tracks of guitar, probably, and and you know, Mike's playing bass as well. Uh, and there's like a certain Mike has had literally probably like I don't know, 10 51 50 amps over his musical voyage, but I know there's one that's like uh it belonged to his best friend who passed away, and that I think that was the one that was like the recon amp that he used. Okay um on the record and i can't remember if it's a fi- if it was a 5150 or a 5152 actually sorry um uh he did not own that amp then because um our friend was still alive then but after okay. that uh his friend's mom gave him his amp and that became his main amp but either way it was some sort of pv5150 and mesa engineering cabs all day that's crazy yeah that's crazy um because it's it's such an aggressive tone it's such a, a just such yeah, a there's obnoxiously like a, heavy tone yeah there's there's a certain recipe um for the dials mm-hmm. that uh Mike and Tony know where you set your 5150 like to these parameters and there there's your recon sound that's cool so he was right into the amp he wasn't boosting it with anything oh uh two noise suppressors okay um and it had to be two because uh you know the like stops and starts were so uh so busy and like even when they weren't busy it was like you had to have like that real heavy like tight stop with the noise suppressor actually so okay so this is just me being a nerd now but um (laughs) Because you said that, because you said they had two noise suppressors, did they dub in the pitch harmonics? That I don't know. Okay, just curious because um, I don't think so though. Because there are some, there are some disgusting pinch harmonics on that <laughs> album, <laughs> and um, I was just curious if they're using two noise suppressors, how hard it would be to hit those and sustain them. That's all. <laughs> oh yeah that's a really good question but that is uh that is beyond my knowledge of yeah, the, just just of nerdy the shit you know <laughs> <laughs> so um so recon put that album out on rise records which is crazy um yeah rise has done i mean insane things since then um and was even yes. a you know a, a pretty good label to be on back then um they worked a lot with the Acacia Strain, who yep. you co-own a label with the vocalist Vincent. Is that correct? Uh, no, it's uh, no? so my tuba is my label, but okay. Um, the involvement of Acacia Strain is, and and Vincent's involvement is. Uh, so once COVID hit, um, Acacia Strain was like a few days into a tour, and then had to go mm-hmm. home. And at the time, they were sharing a practice space with Scavengers. And they were like, hey, sorry, we have an entire tour's worth of merch that we got to stash in the practice room. And so after a few months, I was like, you want me to sell that stuff on, on, on the Mitsuba web store? 
so now it's kind of become a a tradition where uh any to you know anytime they have leftover tour merch um vincent just brings it over and i put it on the web store okay so so you guys are just good friends um i've seen yeah. him yeah the reason i ask is because um i saw obviously i saw him on your instagram page and uh i just assumed that you would both work there so the label is is you yeah yeah that's awesome um and you've done uh obviously you did the acacia strain merch you put out the scavenger stuff you work with dissolve yes yeah um, yeah uh, so uh, how did that how did that start uh so i've been friends with the dissolve guys for literally like a quarter century um mm-hmm. they are my favorite hardcore band um yeah. and i know like you know musically they're like more you know metallic for sure but if you look at some of the lyrics for like uh, especially like the dismantle album I mean that that's a hardcore album mm-hmm. uh because to me the message is the message more so than the style of riffs defines whether or not it's hardcore you know and sure. for the most part and so that's why I call them my favorite hardcore band but they're also some of my favorite people and in the mid 90s um you know I would go down to shows in Poughkeepsie sometimes just to see them uh and I was like 16 years old um, or 15, probably when I met them, uh, mm-hmm. even before I could drive myself to shows like, dude, my mom used to drive me to so many shows like she, she's a saint. But uh, so anyway, um, I became friends with the Dissolve guys because they were like, wait, some dude came from Albany to come see us. And I was Hell like, yeah, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so we became friends and then uh you know they were they were older so they kind of like took me under their wing a little bit like um not in a creepy way or anything you know more like like an older brother type way sure sure and, uh, sure well no because i feel weird being like if i was to tell you like yeah this 16 year old wanted a ride to shows so i started giving rides <laughs> to shows you'd be like yo what the fuck are you doing john but <laughs> so they were kind of like uh like like oh they, they were like uh like cousins in a way, you know? Sure. And um there were there were a couple of times where uh I would like catch a ride to Poughkeepsie and then jump in their van for like the whole weekend and like, you know, go to shows in Connecticut and you know, Massachusetts mm-hmm. or whatever. And then once I started driving, I actually got a van and um, you know, for like my own musical endeavors, but there were a couple of times where like there was a, a weekend that they did with dismay and blood has been shed. It was like wow. 1998. Yeah. And, uh, um, between those three bands, they only had like, they had enough vehicle to transport all the people, but not mm-hmm. the gear. So I had uh blood has been shed always had like a fucking real ass trailer and shit. Like they always had their shit together, but dissolve mm-hmm. and dismay. like, um i think they were all sharing a van so i was like well you know i'll put the gear in, in my van and uh so yeah we were just always like friends you know good friends and uh stayed friends over the years and um, dissolves one of those bands that like I, I do you know the do you know the band uh gut wrench from pittsburgh 
not familiar okay so it's no it's just like bands like that that just have just been around forever and they just have a super unique sound like i call it hardcore because it's part of the hardcore scene but like what what dissolve plays kind of walks past like the label yeah you know of of a genre like it's just it's dissolve yeah uh yeah they're definitely their own thing musically and they continue to evolve and, and and warp um in 2016 i just put out the the recon uh like 10 year graves anniversary vinyl yes like the bonus tracks and stuff and mm-hmm. uh and then i was on the phone with paul the singer of dissolve and he said they just recorded three songs and they weren't sure what to do with and that was the first new stuff they recorded in a long time i was like well i just started putting out records i'll put it like, out. i will do it right now please yeah yeah i was <laughs> i was fucking excited about it and uh then I put out their next LP, um, which is called Until the Drugs Wear Off. Which is sick. Which came yeah. out. Yeah, that's a re- real good album. Um, at, like, it's like fucking demented, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, give you some fucking breaking news. Uh, as of today, we just approved the tests for a Dissolve double LP, which oh. is going to be uh, supposed to be a 25th anniversary edition but it's going to end up being 26th anniversary edition mm-hmm. of Dismantle, their first CD, which is my fucking... F- I don't want to say I like it more than their new stuff, because I don't, but it's like, I think because of the the music and the nostalgia also, it's like my fucking favorite hardcore album, you know? Yeah. Um, And, and I'm putting that out on vinyl. It's going to be two discs. Uh, the second disc is uh, all live stuff, and it's all live stuff from that era, because this dude will that plays guitar for them now but was around back then and actually i knew will back then because we'd be in the in the van together mm-hmm. you know go, on our way to dissolve shows he would always do sound for them and always had like pro gear and recorded like dozens of their shows direct to dat tape so he mm-hmm. went through all these old dat tapes from that era and put together like what would it, what what would be a set list that they would have played back then um, but it's just like taken from a few different shows, like whichever yeah. song sounded best, you know, so it's not all from one show, but it's like, you know, in the order that they would have played it. And it's yeah. cool because there's some songs that are like early versions that they redid on Caveman of the Future, which came out like way later. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah, that's like a, uh, that's like a victory lap release, you know, like look at how yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's so yeah. cool, dude yeah um real psych on that yeah i would be uh we'll have to push that um when is the do you, you don't have a release date no, no not yet we we uh we approved the the test press today um because uh i i had listened to it already but those guys were together for band practice today so you know they um i got a text this afternoon like like yeah dissolve dissolve approved so i so I emailed the the pressing plant and they're like, okay, yeah, you know, uh, you know, thanks for the update, you know, probably like, you know, three months or whatever. Yeah, it'll be three um, more years until you get your vinyls. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're, you know, with the, the long, the longer part was waiting for the test press. So, yeah. uh, you know, we should be, he actually said eight to 10 weeks, but okay. I'm not counting on that. I'm, yeah. I'm saying three to four months, but so we haven't, 
we haven't, you know, decided. I always try to pick a release date um, that I know is going to be after I actually get the records. I was just going to um, ask, do you normally have product in hand, like, before you, you know, move um, forward with release dates or anything like that? Not exactly. Like, once it's in the home stretch. Yeah. Um, you know, then I'll I'll do pre-orders. Like, I'll do pre-orders I'll start doing pre-orders probably soon or like I'll announce it, you know, build up hype on the internet, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then do pre-orders. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't do that until tests are approved. Like I haven't even announced the record yet. Like I've asked those guys not to announce it yet. Like, so this is the first time I've said anything about it publicly only because the tests are approved, you know, sure. because I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to jinx it you know yeah yeah i understood yeah but yeah now that now that we've approved the test and this is a pressing plant i've used before for a couple of things you know the guy's saying eight to ten weeks i trust that i'll have it within four months for sure Mm -hmm. so what i try to do is you know announce a release date and then that i know is going to be a safe amount of time past when i should have the the product and then um if i can start sending records out you know a few days early and Mm -hmm. people start getting you know early surprises then that's just fucking awesome i try to do everything the way that would make me psyched if i was on the other end you know sure so i figure better to under promise and over deliver when it comes to stuff like release dates i guess definitely definitely have you dealt with any wild uh lead times with any of these records uh i haven't put out like tons um and this one i think i got in kind of just under like uh another wave of like global vinyl shortages (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh because there was actually the the last dissolve record kind of took a while um that probably took like a year and it was like uh right before i want to say it was like right at no right after i got the records some factory burned down where they make like half of the oh i know what you're talking about yeah yeah uh so i i, I just narrowly avoided that mm-hmm. i can't remember what it is they make there but i remember it was like something for the the plates or something yeah uh, yeah i i don't know either but um because <clears throat> I was actually going to do an episode on this um, last year, probably like October. Um, and then we ended up buying a house and my time kind of got put elsewhere because it's a bit of a fixer up or so I've been busy. Um, buying a house sucks. Yeah, it was, it was a real like, pain. As far ass. as like time and everything. Yeah. Buying it, buying a oh, house. Shit buying a house and then finding out that your sewage lines are made of terracotta and tree roots are growing through them. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's your responsibility now, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, buddy. Um, (laughs) uh, anyway though, um, I was going to do an episode on what was going on because with, with vinyl pressing plants and stuff like that, because, um, originally with this show, I was playing live vinyl. And I had had intended to be regularly buying from labels and playing the vinyl live on the show to promote it. And, you know, that that was going to be the plan. And wouldn't you know it, 
you know, uh, the lead time started increasing and, you know, there was a, there was a point there where labels weren't doing it. Um, and then you started seeing like CDs and cassettes emerge for a minute there because they, they had access to them. It's, you know, interesting, but, um, I had, I was organizing an episode to talk about this. And a part of it, a part of that episode was the plant that had burned down. Um, I guess there are just a very limited number of vinyl pressing plants, um, in the United States. There's not, yeah. not very many people uh, do it at all. Yeah. They're not right. Yeah. There's, uh, I think there are more overseas than there are in the States. Um, and I think they're, but still not a lot. I think there are a couple newer plants, both in the States and abroad, but I don't think there are people regularly making the equipment that you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, 50 years ago was probably a somewhat normal event to be like, I'm starting a vinyl plant. So I'm going to order machine X from manufacturer Y. Right. And that's, you know, at some point those companies stopped making those machines, but maybe they're making them again because there are some new pressing plants. So, well, so what I had, what I had heard, and I, I don't know how much truth there is to this, to be honest. Um, and this was a number of months ago, but what I had heard was that a couple years ago, um, Jack White had bought a pile of these companies that were pressing vinyl and had used them to basically secure contracts with major labels to start pressing vinyls for major label artists, which was making it harder for underground labels to get their records pressed. And I don't know. I don't know if that's the truth exactly. I, you know, somebody told that to me, but I've heard that because I don't, I don't run a label, but I've heard that there can be accessibility issues, especially if you're ordering in smaller quantities or whatever, and that can extend your lead time and really put a damper on what you're trying to do. Yeah, I, I've heard that. I have not put out like tons of records, mm-hmm. um, but from you know people that do put out records on a more regular basis, I have heard that you know their their jobs will get bumped because you know they're ordering a few hundred, but you know Miley Cyrus wants a hundred thousand copies. So yeah. you know if if you're the pressing plant manager or whatever. The nature of the business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I can understand. Um, you know, I but another part of me it it surprises me that for as big of a business as vinyl has reemerged, that there hasn't been more um opportunity as far as you know, creating new pressing plants and, and stuff like that. And I think you're right now that um now that I'm thinking back, the place that burnt down i do think manufactured the plates which i think so you know and that's like yeah yeah, that's like one obscure thing that's a part of that manufacturing process that just makes it even fucking harder (laughs) yeah um so do you like running a label is it pretty cool yeah um you know i just do it in uh you know in, in my spare time or whatever um it's cool when uh, you know, when I get a bunch of, say, when I get a bunch of uh, leftover tour merch from a Casey's train, mm-hmm. um, you know, that will give me something to do after work every day, you yeah. know, 
pack up all those orders and mail them out. And what's cool about about uh, those guys let me do that is it brings eyes to my website and then people be like, oh shit, I had no recon put out a vinyl. Yeah. Um, or like, you know, I sell like those pro-choice t-shirts and, you know, mm-hmm. people will buy those, um, which is a big reason that a case of train was like, yeah, you know, why don't you sell our tour leftovers on your site? And then hopefully you can sell some more of those pro-choice shirts because I give the money from that to, I donate it to a national network of abortion funds or sorry, oh, cool. national network for abortion funds. Um, so yeah, that's, so not, I'm that's like, not going to you. That's all charity. Yeah, the the pro-choice shirts. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. all charity. Um, okay. I, when I first started making those like nine or ten years ago, um, uh, I, w- I was keeping the money. But then at some point I was like, I that, that's yeah, fucking I corny. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah the um, anything beyond what it costs to print them, I just I just donate. Okay. And I'm sure Acacia Strain merch brought a ton of traffic to your site too. Yeah. Yeah. I made a mistake recently of uh, doing a, a drop, if you will, on a Monday instead of a Friday. And I was like, well, I always, always do those on Fridays. Mm-hmm. And I, I figured out why, because whenever um, I put up a case of train merch, uh, I get a ton of orders and it's way easier to stay on top of that if that first wave of orders is coming through on a weekend. Okay. Um, and not during the week when I'm working my actual job. So I felt bad because I was like, it was taking like a few days to get some of those orders out. But I think that's like expected, but I try to get shit out within 24 hours if I can. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. While I've got you, I know that you have some good show stories, probably, probably from recon. Yeah. Um, If I had to guess, uh, but uh, do you have any, Do what, what, what would you like to share? I'd love to hear some of your stories. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you know, uh, earlier, you know, you were like, you know, if you're allowed to, if there's stories you're allowed to tell, there's nothing I'm not allowed <laughs> to tell. Um, because the thing with recon is we were always, you know, I think people, people thought we were either little kids, which was true, except for me and Chris, I guess, or okay. that we were, uh, um, just like the most ignorant fucking assholes, you know, b- because we played like heavy you know heavier style of hardcore yeah but we were always like pretty nice boys (laughs) and uh (laughs) so it's not like we were you know um you know committing crimes uh and you just played you just played the soundtrack to which the crimes were committed yeah so you know the first tour that Paul and I were actually in the band was uh, right when Graves came out. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta understand that like, that was very, those first couple tours were very like, um, like by the skin of our teeth, like our, our, our van would break down all the time, you know, but we were always like, uh, even when it was like, the, dude, we would literally, and this is kind of beyond the scope of just like show stories, but we, we literally broke down in the desert and we're stranded in this <laughs> town called Tonopah, which was like, we had to be towed like two hours backwards too, because we broke down two hours from the closest town. We were in the, and then we were stranded in this town called Tonopah where the um, mechanic that was fixing our van kept like fucking with our van to like keep us there longer. 
And okay. there is this place across the street called the Clown Motel, which has since become like an internet meme. It's a real fucking place. And we saw it. That shit is not fucking funny. But through all those times, even when we were like, how the fuck are we even going to like put gas in the tank, you know, to 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 get to the next show? Like it was always like us against the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, you know, even if like, you know, you definitely get on each other's nerves when you're living in a van for like, mm-hmm. you know, five weeks at a time. But it was like when shit was bad, it's like, all right, you know, we're all, we're all, we're all one unit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then we'd go and play shows and like, say like the first tour, right when Graves came out, which was the band's second tour, but the first tour that Paul and I were in the band. Um, it was like, you know, we'd play like, for the most part, people didn't know who we were, you know, um, maybe they'd heard the demo or maybe they'd heard the CD that just came out. And, uh, so there'd be like shows now and then where people would just go like absolutely ape shit. And then the mm-hmm. second tour we did was a full US tour with Pale Horse. And that was like absolutely mind blowing because, and you know, in and of itself, this might not sound like a crazy show memory, but I remember we played in like a garage or something in Española, New Mexico. And I'm not sure if it was a garage or what, because I lost my contacts. So I wasn't really sure <laughs> where the fuck we were. Sure. Um, but it was a it was a garage or something and we were in new mexico we had never been past like the mississippi river before that tour mm-hmm. and people knew our words and we're going fucking bananas and i was like like so i'm like oh well i was nearsighted so i couldn't see like the outside of the building but i could see that people were in our faces like singing the words you know awesome. and i was like this is fucking insane yeah um so even though you know people didn't like know who we were obviously at the beginning when people did know who we were they were like they were like always so welcoming um and would like hook you know hook us up with places to stay and and um and be and you know just like you know buy you know buy both shirts and the cd and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. um and then i would say like in 2007 um so we did two tours in 2007 before chris and i left Mm-hmm. Chris, our, our, our singer and I left, um, and it was, uh, like three or four weeks with Amur and then three or four weeks with the miles between and thick as blood. And that's when it's like, oh shit, like people know who we are. And, right. you know, that Amur tour, you know, say what you want about Amur, but like, you know, at the time, 2007, they had just put out their first CD on victory. And we're like, oh shit, you know, they're on victory. Like they're fucking huge. Right. Um, but they started asking us to play after them, which we refused, but uh, because our show the shows kept getting shut down during our sets mm-hmm. because people were like throwing skateboards at each other and shit, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So like <laughs> we were playing <laughs> we were playing upstairs at a, a firehouse in Brooklyn Heights. Um I remember the name of the town, can't remember the state, but we were playing upstairs at a firehouse in Brooklyn Heights, wherever, um, Mm -hmm. not near Brooklyn, New York at all. And people were moshing with skateboards and like, I swear I saw somebody pick up a folding chair and it got to the point where like, we're like getting a little worried because we're on the second floor and there's these glass windows and people are like throwing <laughs> shit. And it's like, Hey, you don't want this venue to like never allow shows again for the kids that, 
live here, but B, like you don't want to see somebody get thrown out of a window and die. Yeah. But I will no say doubt. that whenever like an actual fight broke out, including at that show where people are moshing with skateboards, um, we would try, we would stop and try. And this was like a thing that bands used to do in Albany in the nineties all the time. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody starts a fight. You just stop and try to embarrass them. Cause yeah. like, you know, that that's one way to fucking get your venue shut down. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Also like, you know, you accept a certain amount of risk going into a place where people are dancing at a hardcore show, but like, we're not, we're not there to fight each other. You know what I mean? For like, sure. We're, we're all here for the same thing. So I remember we would start playing like eye of the tiger to like try to embarrass people. <laughs> um, but then like we stopped doing that at one point because they were just like, get kids like more psyched yeah. and like they'd start fighting harder we're like no no like stop fighting why did and, that uh, work <laughs> right um and i remember the altoona show uh oh. i think oh it was definitely with thick as blood because <laughs> yes. i remember i remember uh thick as blood in the miles between um uh causing causing some some chaos at sheets afterwards well, but did you guys um uh open for thick as blood or did they no, open for uh, the, they were the opener on you guys on the brought. Okay. And that was back when they had three singers. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I'll, t I'll tell you about meeting thick as blood because, um, you know, expectations, you know, our, our expectations were happily shattered because we did not have good expectations. Yeah. Uh, we were, so we, we did the first few days with the miles between and the span the battle cat from canada and okay. we were heading south meanwhile the uh thickest blood was heading north from florida and we're like who the fuck is that band and you know i think one of us had a t-mobile sidekick but you couldn't like stream music on it so we <laughs> couldn't you know like one of us checked him out you know before we left for a tour and they're like oh you know they're pretty good and we're like they have three singers like that's gonna be fucking terrible like yeah that shit's corny you know mm -hmm. and we get there and um you know to the to the first show that like all three bands were playing together and then we did i think two or three weeks with all three bands okay and we pull into the parking lot and there's people doing push-ups in the parking lot and yeah, we're no like doubt. man this town's fucking <laughs> tough and then we're like oh shit that's that band thick as blood they're just like working out in the parking lot we're like what the fuck and um that's so and then, funny yeah and dude then right before they played um their bass player bernie comes up to me and he goes, hey, uh, I play in Thick as Blood. Can I use your bass cabs? I'm like, what, tonight or for the whole tour? Because, like, you better ask me now. Like, don't ask me this every day. He's like, yeah, the whole tour. I'm like, yeah, man, that's fine. I, I would have been cool if you asked that at a time. Like, thankfully, I don't mind. It's cool. He's like, can I use your amp, too? I'm like, yeah, man, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you want to use my head and everything. I'm like well I, yeah i mean what am i gonna do say no right before you go on and did they, uh did they have their um album out on eulogy yet or was that before then it had just come out okay. um the one with like the like uh i think like it was spartan called, looking guy it called front. moment of truth i believe so this is um, our time now yeah yeah it's like that. straight edge for myself yeah dude fuck you and everybody, everybody else. else yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so we thought, we thought these dudes were like the biggest fucking clowns, like, but then they started playing and we're like, holy fuck, this band is awesome. 
Yeah. And uh, so like that night we're like, we wish that band wasn't so good because you know they're fucking such herbs, you know. <laughs> um, but then obviously, like, you know, we're hanging out with them or the next couple, like, you know, the next few weeks, but within like two days, we're like, these dudes are fucking awesome. Like they're yeah. fucking oh, yeah. great. And uh, I'm still friends with most of those guys. Uh, I talked to Gino and Neri um pretty Dude, regularly. Really? Yeah. I knew um, I knew Gino and Neri back in the day, and I don't know I don't know if they'd remember me or not because they came through Altoona a few times. And Gino's on Mayans now. Um, yeah, yeah, the TV show. He's on. He's on a bunch crazy. of shows. Yeah I, yeah, I was just looking at his IMDb the other day. I'm like, wow, yeah. that's weird. Um, yeah, Rand- Randy's been in a couple things as well. Actually, he's really? been on a couple of the same things Gino's been like uh, Bloodline on Netflix and. Uh, I think they were both on the deuce on HBO. Definitely so Gino. Cool. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Rand, but Randy's uh, an actor now as well. Good for um, them. Yeah. Make yeah, it. But yeah, but that show, that, sorry, that tour, um, they had a, like a Jeep or something. Okay. Um, <laughs> like not a van. And they, they had like a vehicle with five seats and there were seven people in their, in their, in their band. So they would, take turns sitting in the way back like yeah i don't know if like when you were a little kid like you know like all the cousins were together like well somebody's got to sit in the way back when you know <laughs> when we go to the park or whatever so like they would take turns like two of them would be sitting backwards and like basically the trunk area you know yeah um, yeah and they had like the smallest trailer uh actually in florida one of the shows in florida while they were playing um, we took their trailer and wheeled it inside of the Miles Between's trailer because <laughs> they had the smallest tra- trailer and the Miles Between had like the world's biggest trailer. Um, That's but hilarious. once we realized like, oh shit, like those guys are like really tight in there. We started letting them, if it was going to be like a long drive, like an eight hour drive or something. Yeah. We'd be like, yeah, you know, why don't you guys just like ride with us? Mm-hmm. And uh, dude, there were like overnight drives where like, you know, we had a mattress in the back of our van. So like three of us, it, you usually be two of us in the way back on, on, on an overnight drive, mm-hmm. um, which was fine. But then like when we started having one of the thickest blood guys like ride with us, it'd be like, man, like we're about to become real good friends because it, it is real fucking tight back here. I think that um, I think they came through Altoona four times. If I remember correctly, when they first came, they had the X's on their name, X Thick as Blood X. And that was like <laughs> that was like before the album. They only had like a demo out. Oh um, shit. Okay. Yeah. And then that was the three singers. And then they put the album out, three singers. Yep. And then they came yep. back for the Embrace tour, I think it was. And that because I remember <laughs> I remember um somebody got a gun pulled on them at that show. And uh, I believe the, that in Altoona. Yeah, it was at the Lions Den, and um, yeah, I believe that. And I, I remember I was standing next to Gino, and he was just like geeking out. He's like, "This is why we love coming to Altoona." Oh my! And, God. <laughs> I was like, "Why, well, dude? If like, it was us, if it was Recon, we would have been like getting the fucking van yeah, now. Like, We're leaving right now." <laughs> um, and then uh, and then they played here one more time. They came with uh, Earth Crisis and First Blood, oh, which shit. is. Cool which is the uh, tour that I asked you if you had played on before. And you right. said that was after your time with first blood, I believe that was before my, that time was before you were silence of uh, silence's betrayal era. Yeah. Well, silence of betrayal era was many years. So that might yeah, have yeah, also yeah. been close to silence's betrayal era, but 
I think probably that was probably uh, in that era of first blood is probably Joe Ellis playing bass. If I had okay. to guess. Yeah. To, uh, in, um, to timestamp it. Uh, they, I remember, I think the only song that they had released off of that album was enemy. Um, okay. Yeah. So it was, but dude, such a great show, such a great, yeah, but um, anyway, though, real quick, back to the recon uh, miles between and thick as blood tour. So you guys played at the lion's den and that was probably the first show I remember at the lion's den. Now, I mean, like I say at the lion's den, because like we've had shows where steel chairs were being thrown and we've had shows where like bad things had happened and whatnot. Right. Um, This was the first show at the lion's den that I remember looking like a riot like i remember it was probably (laughs) it was probably the first show at the lion's den where i was like actually scared um oh wow i remember like because i was like oh fuck like i mean it's not big in here like i i might get hurt um yeah you know and i remember one of the first things i saw was you know people were dancing like crazy and crowd killing and stuff like that and then somebody dumped out a trash bag and just yep. like there was like trash everywhere. And then I started seeing the trash cans flying and then the chairs. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, this is turning into a bad luck 13 show, like real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I remember like watching probably thick as blood. Um, you know, like, like from like back in the room, like the back of the room, which is not very far from the front of the room mm-hmm. and thinking like, Oh man, this is a, it's going to be one of these shows. I'm going to definitely going to hang in the back, you know, until it's time to time to play. Um, And then by the time we were playing, I was like, no, this is not one of those quote unquote, those shows. This is, this is one of its own. This is its own thing. Like this is, yeah, this is just absolute fucking chaos. And um, I feel like people were lighting fireworks off in the, in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, and we've had them inside that building too. I believe that I would be shocked if that was not the case. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a little like, dude, there were, there were a few times during recon sets where I would be like looking out while we're playing and thinking like, man, I, uh, I'm just glad I'm up here. (laughs) (laughs) Cause they, I'm playing the music, so they don't want to hurt me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, lots of times, you know, people would, uh, you know, people would climb on stage, like, especially uh, we have that song, Nowhere, was like the big sing-along song. So, you know, we would play that and people, would, you know, climb up on stage and it'd just be like, a, like, I, I took it upon myself at some point, like, if that starts happening, if more than like five people get on stage, like, then that's my cue to like position myself um in front of the drums so people don't start falling into the drums you know oh yeah yeah um, oh yeah and then it all but yeah apart. at least yeah at least uh yeah i was much safer than anybody in the crowd if i was playing the songs yeah that's fun <laughs> so did you guys yeah. you guys had a lot of um shows like that like the one in altoona was there you know a lot of chaos from uh recon shows around the united states uh i mean altoona was um definitely one that always stuck out in my memory um Mm -hmm. 
I wouldn't say there were a lot of shows like that exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they did do, even though they only, you know, looking at a calendar, it seems like they didn't do a lot after like Chris and Tony and I left. They mm-hmm. did. Um, over the course of a year, they toured probably, you know, eight months out of like the following year, year and a half or whatever. Um, and I know they did like a two month straight tour with the Muir just in the States. Um which is a long time to be touring any one continent, I think. But uh, so there's probably crazier shit, especially once the um, full length on Rise came out and more people you know, knew about the band. For but sure. from my time touring, um, Altoona was one of the craziest that Brooklyn Heights, Ohio, Ohio, Brooklyn Heights, Ohio. That's the okay. state I couldn't remember earlier. Okay. Uh, where people were moshing with skateboards. Um, that was pretty crazy. Uh, but honestly, um, lots of times, like, uh, and I'm not saying this to be like, oh, bro, I was so lost in the moment. But when shows are really chaotic, like, yeah, I couldn't even tell you, like, after the set, what happened? Because I was just, like, um, preoccupied with playing the music and maintaining my personal safety. For sure. You know? <laughs> so, so it's like. Like, I definitely noticed a trash can flying through the air, but I wouldn't necessarily notice, like, all the crazy shit that's happening because, um, you know, some of, like, the the newer stuff we were playing at the time was actually, like, a little tricky to play. Mm -hmm. And I also have to make sure that, like, um, you know, especially if we're playing on a floor or something, I got to make sure that... I don't get knocked knocked on my ass, you know? Oh, dude, I was always worried about my guitar because, like... I, my guitars are my babies. <laughs> like I, I was like, I mean, we had, you know, people dance hard in Altoona. I mean, if you like, if you go to shows in Altoona, like you're going to get, yeah, I mean, maybe not now it's a little different now, but like, you know, when I was growing up, like you're very much going to get ran into. If you're playing a show, you're very much going to get your ass kicked. And like, I, I, I was always trying to protect my guitar. <laughs> there, there was a bass that I bought when I joined recon for that reason um because i had the same bit <laughs> okay with getting yeah. it destroyed yeah 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 <laughs> that's awesome um, yep <laughs> now um so uh what was it like touring with pale horse because that was one of my my uh i'm actually gonna have to dig back into them because that was one of my favorite hardcore bands back in the day probably like 2006 2007 uh it was uh it it was pretty wild. Um, we knew those guys a little bit. Uh, I think Mike and Tony, mm-hmm. um, and the other guys knew knew them more before the tour started. But at the time, it was uh, Vinny and Dave LePage, who I assume I believe were in like through all eras of Bale Horse, mm-hmm. but also this dude Joe playing drums and Dave Heck playing guitar, okay. and they did not have a bass player so our Mm -hmm. mike um from our band mike uh played bass um did did double duty on that tour yeah dave heck Uh, is somebody i'd love to have on this show you absolutely should i can put you in touch with them i talk to him like multiple times a week dude Um, send them my way that would be each other like weird like jurassic park memes and shit (laughs) okay um yeah he's uh he's one of my favorite people uh and i met him on that tour yeah and um uh yeah that was 2006 
six and uh we're still like super close friends um but yeah touring with those guys was cool we missed it was a five-week tour and we probably played less than three weeks worth of shows because our van broke down so much oh wow um yeah <laughs> that's, that's hardcore uh, right <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> um so that's why later there was a recon shirt that said uh too many breakdowns but it's like the picture on it was like a van on fire yeah. it was like <laughs> um, i see what you did there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah touring with those guys is cool um Vinny tried to have like a religious debate with me in a whataburger in texas with like a burger chain in texas whataburger uh and um I didn't even like really say anything. He just kind of talked at me for like an hour and like everybody was like, uh, yo, we really want to go crash at our friend's house and go to bed. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just sitting here. Benny's just talking at me. <laughs> uh, yeah. but yeah, uh, yeah, v- Vinny's great. Um, uh, he was a very, uh, he was like a very, uh, curmudgeonly guy, but like, a friendly curmudgeonly guy sure like he you was just uh very angry but not at you so it's right. okay uh, <laughs> um that's a great description and, uh, <laughs> so many hardcore yeah. kids i know <laughs> yeah, yeah um uh, a lovable curmudgeon uh but yeah and um and it, it was cool uh because those guys were closer to my age than like most of the bands we toured with so i'd be like yo, you guys are from Connecticut? Like, you remember the tune in and like talk about all these like nineties venues and like, um, uh, that's real cool. <laughs> that's interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Pale horse came through. I want to say twice. Where was pale horse from? Uh, Connecticut, except for Dave heck. Okay. Um, yeah. Dave they, heck is Lansdale forever. Yeah. Um, they came through, I want to say twice. And I think that they came through with fight like hell. Um, and it would have been Folsom. I think, I think. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I did not see that tour, but I feel like I heard about that tour. Yeah. So Folsom, I mean, like one of the all time hardest fight like hell was an amazing hardcore band. I have like a, a fight like hell shirt, like enshrined up in my room. Like it's, it's behind a couple barriers just so nothing ever gets to it. Like if the yeah, house, yeah. if the house burns down, I'll grab my fight like hell shirt and then make sure that <laughs> the family and the animals are okay. No, yeah, um, yeah. of course, of course. And, yeah. Um, I think they came through. I, I could have this wrong, but I think that it was pale horse, Folsom and uh, strength for a reason, which was a dope lineup. And then I actually, I think I was wrong about fight like hell. I think they came through with blood stand still. Um, but okay. back in the day, man, I mean, all these bands were stopping in Altoona. I mean, in that sense, you know, we were, we were really lucky um, to have bands like you guys and, uh, to have bands like Pale Horse and shit like that. So, you know, I just want to make sure we talked about Pale Horse a little bit because yeah. big ups to big ups to Pale Horse. I feel like that band gets looked over sometimes from, you know, or or maybe like a lot of people. Um, ju- I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of bands that have disappeared into obscurity, but there's yeah, Pale Horse is a band like, in the rough. Yeah, they're one of those bands where if they came out like a couple years later, Mm-hmm. they would have done fucking great you know what i mean yeah um 
Like they were, they were just a touch ahead of their time. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's, it's funny to say that because, you know, you look at like the riffs and stuff and it's like, kind of like with scavengers, it's like, man, these, these are a lot of like integrity style riffs. These are a lot of ringworm style riffs, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but they just, they had, they, they had their own spin on, on that style of hardcore. And I think they were just a little ahead of their time, but yeah, they were, it was a lot of fun watching them every night for sure. Are you, um, you know, are, before I forget Altoona, yeah. I think we missed a show there um, when Graves came out, like the the second day of our tour, we were supposed mm-hmm. to play in Pennsylvania, I think in Altoona and okay. our tire exploded on the way there. Yeah. Um, but I'm do sorry you, if we no, missed a show in Altoona. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> um, do you, do you, uh, do you remember by any chance who it might've been with? No, because we were touring like just by ourselves. Um, okay. And I'm sure at the time, I remember we were texting with a band that was playing that show because we were like, you know, we, we think we're going to be back on the road, you know, soon. Like, oh, uh, maybe not. Uh, I couldn't tell you who it was. Yeah. Okay. So it was literally 2006. Yeah. Um, but I just remember it was before we played that show a year later in Altoona. So yeah. I'll that stuck in my mind was the name Altoona because us not being familiar with Altoona, we're just like, Altoona, is that the name of the fish on the fucking tuna fish can? Altoona. <laughs> so I'm really sorry. If that's <laughs> no, no, no. We have, um, we have a local baseball team and, uh, that's the Altoona curve because we have, um, well, just, not to get too off topic, but in our area, we have uh, a giant railroad curve. It's a railroad town. And we have um, in, okay. the, in, in the hills coming into Altoona, there's a giant infamous railroad curve that goes around the side of this mountain. They call it the horseshoe curve because it's okay. in the shape of a horseshoe. Um, sure. So our baseball team is called the Altoona curve and the mascot or one of the mascots is named Altoona and he's a fish. Awesome. It big okay. face palm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I feel better well, than making the shitty joke. Like it's not just us being dumb that thought that <laughs> like other people being dumb have thought that too. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I, and I do respect the sheets shirt. I don't think we said that on the show yet, but he's got no. the sheets shirt on. I respect it with, with camo print with camo print because it's hardcore. Um, yes. Now, <laughs> you, now, are you in Albany? Yeah. Do you have sheets Albany, up in Albany? But no, I wish the closest sheets is Scranton. Why do you have um, a sheets? And shirt? I know. Be, huh? Why do you have a sheets shirt then? That's so random. Um, my friend Tara got it for me for my birthday a couple of years ago. She lives in North Carolina where they are blessed with sheets. Yeah. Um, and she knows I'm a big fan of sheets and camo. Um, but I do have a collection of uh, sheets coffee mugs. That do I've you got, really? Like, yeah. Dude, I fucking love sheets. I actually have like a big oversized one that Nary from Thick as Blood got for me. Um, like I was going to go see them uh, in like rochester or something like i was gonna drive like a few hours to go see them this is you know 15 years ago yeah and they were playing in pennsylvania a couple days before so i was like yo nary can't like can you get me one of those coffee cups and uh and i'll I'll give you the cash when i see you a couple days later i got super sick i was like i'm not driving four hours each way sorry because i'm like you know fucking puking my guts out and uh nary mailed it to me like he fucking you know kept this oversized 
coffee. I just figured, like, I wouldn't blame him if he threw it out the window. I'd be like, I'm not fucking carrying this around the rest of the tour. But he did <laughs> and mailed it to me when he got home. But I also have some that I've, you know, grabbed when went on tour. Or, uh, um, I dude, there was a time where I would just go to Scranton just to go to Sheets. Um, really? Which is like a three-hour drive. This is like 2010, though. Like, yeah. Um, I didn't have shit going on, so. So You're like, yeah, man, I really want, you know, to order something on the MTO machine and uh, get a Schmagel. <laughs> <laughs> this is fascinating. I fucking love because, No, you're the um you're the second person in a row. I just talked to John Bose from CDC. Um oh hell yeah. Yeah, uh, just like a couple days ago. And I'm getting ready to uh drop his episode. That'll be on Wednesday, actually, but um, we got into, we probably talked about sheets for a half hour and probably. it was, it was sheets or Wawa because he's from Doylestown. So he kind of has the best of both worlds in his area. And I'm in like hard sheets territory. Like yeah. we're, we're total red state sheets. <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like it, like the, the territory of the, oh yeah. The convenience stores looks like a political map <laughs> yeah like, yeah we're in we're in like red country here the further east you go it kind of turns blue into wawaville yeah. but um so uh are you sheets or wawa sheets 100 percent. and this is all the way yeah all the way all the way like i'll go to wawa you know if i fucking need to eat you know what i mean like sure and um uh so in recon this is like always been a fiercely debated um it's like civil war you know what i mean like sheets or wawa yeah dude because tony and i are sheets like till death you know okay um like but uh mike and paul are are on what i think is the wrong side of history they're they're on the wawa <laughs> side of the war and uh, <laughs> respect okay <laughs> Um, see like we have we have like 15 sheets here in altoona so you know oh my god yeah oh. if i go Wait, you uh, got the super sheets right we've got the super sheets yes we have super sheets which I, <laughs> that that's a uh i i said this on the last show too but i'll say it again it's a band monument i mean like yeah when when bands come through you have to stop at super sheets and it's it's still a thing people still get excited over it um i don't know i would be i would be sad if it was not still a thing yeah dude and i i don't know why uh people don't just or why i don't understand why sheets hasn't built more super sheets because they very easily could but yeah you know um yeah, I don't know. I mean, Wawa to me is kind of like a treat. Like if I get to a Wawa, I'm like, hey, hell yeah. What? Like I'm in a different world. I don't see these. I like their subs. Yeah, I mean, like I'll go to Wawa if like I need to eat. You know what I mean? And yeah. Then, like I can't be like, oh, I'm, you know, you know, two hours into Wawa territory, but I'm going to drive to the nearest sheets, like to get dinner. Like, you know, it doesn't really work like that. Sure. Especially, especially when traveling with like a group of people. Um, but we don't have either up here. We have uh Stewart's, which is not really the same as sheets or Wawa, but it's like the regional convenience store that, that rules um, the capital district of New York with an iron fist, but a fair fist. Uh, and then, further south you start getting into like a quick trip i think yes um 
and not to be confused with quick trip spelled differently in the Midwest. Right. But then once you get into like Jersey or Pennsylvania, that's when you start getting into Wawa or Sheets. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's definitely like a, a line, like there's a certain spot in Pennsylvania where like, there's no sheets to the east of that. And there's no Wawa to the west of that. Yeah. It's like, then, you know, territory. dude, seriously, <laughs> like there's gotta, there's gotta be something behind the scenes. They must have some no, there is. agreement. No, I know for a fact, oh, that you there know, is. yeah, because tell me, um, please, unless you can't tell well, like, me, like, no, no, I'll straight. I mean, like they might kill me, but um, like I have, I have family that, you know, they're in business around here and stuff like that. And they know the sheets family. I don't know them directly, but like, oh, um yeah it's they're honestly to be honest with you like they're like billionaires but they're just normal people yeah um you know uh but no they have some sort of agreement with the other convenience stores like there's they're you know territory based and i know that like sheets goes down all the way to north carolina but for whatever agreement that they have they don't go up into new york too much i don't i don't know if there's any sheets in new york there may be no um do you know like now i know that there was a breach of the agreement uh with a company called rudders do you know of rudders i I don't know anything about okay so yeah john didn't know about rudders either and rudders was new to us but um so this is interesting so um like rudders we have three of them now they started getting put in in altoona like we have um signs for others that are going to be built too but it's kind of like a uh off the highway like tractor trailer stop type gas station like a little more open than than a sheet is and they have bigger parking lots and stuff so tractor trailers can stay overnight um but when they were building rudders in altoona everybody was like what the fuck is this this is you know this isn't sheets and i've never heard of rudders i don't i don't know what it is well apparently the the rumor is that they had an agreement with um you know one another that they wouldn't go into each other's territory and something happened i don't know what but sheets put a sheet across the highway from the rudders corporate office which was like yeah i know right i know wow so everybody was like oh shit um yeah and then i feel like i'm watching the wire right now i know it was yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh then rudders started popping up in altoona and I was like, oh, man, like we're like we're involved in something now. Yeah, dude, dude fucking, you know. So like I haven't seen. Watch, I haven't, watch out for fucking stray gunfire and shit. Yeah, man. dude, Jesus, I know. And I I haven't seen a Wawa. I haven't seen a Wawa west of Harrisburg. So, you know, okay. um, I, I think the the real bullets haven't flown yet. Okay. Um, okay. So we're we're safe. <laughs> this is ridiculous i love yeah. it i love i love i love the convenience store talk because <laughs> i've gotten off on this tangent <laughs> I Dude, it, but in all seriousness like um in all seriousness fuck anything that's not sheets but no really in all seriousness if you're like on tour you know, cooped up in a van with like five, five of your buddies 
and um, you're driving for like 10 hours a day, um, you see a lot of highway. Yeah. Like, especially back before like iPhones and shit, you know what I mean? Right. Um, uh, so regional gas stations becomes like pretty exciting shit. Like, yeah. Like even well, like, it feels like home. I mean, it's something familiar, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, I totally, I totally get that too. You know, when yeah. I mean, I have to admit when I go out of town and I'm like a good ways away from home and I'm driving home yeah. and I start seeing the sheets, like, yeah, it's, it's a nice little warm, fuzzy feeling. I'm like, Oh, I'm almost there. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a couple. So uh, my wife is from Minnesota and there's a couple sheets that we hit like when we drive out to see her family because there's some in Ohio. Yeah. Um, and it's like, even though we're not in sheets territory, sadly, we were not, you know, blessed by, you know, living in the Holy land of sheets, but hey. it's still like a comforting, comforting home, like thing when, um, even though for us, it's maybe like, I don't know the fucking, you know, one quarter mark of the drive or whatever it is halfway mark of the drive it's like oh shit there there's our sheets there it is yeah Yeah, dude you probably run into some loves on the highway too right oh yeah definitely yeah but that's like you know whatever stop and take a shower with some truckers yeah which (laughs) (laughs) all right exactly All (laughs) all right so um i think i think we're probably at a good place to stop um, I gotta get up for work tomorrow. Uh, I oh, could, I could talk to you all night, man. Um, Likewise. but, uh, anyway, is there anything that you want to plug, uh, before we call it a night? You know, I will say, uh, scavengers has new stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, we recorded four songs for a split that'll be coming out later this year. Um, my Tsuba is putting out the, uh, dissolved double LP version of D- dismantle with live stuff um and you know as far as recon um you know we haven't played a show in a couple years but viper city is forever so you know i'm sure recon will play again um i hope so besides that uh you know check out i know i don't need to plug take life because rob was already on here um so you know people already know about that life yeah. Uh, <laughs> I said check out take life. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's worth uh, listening to. Yeah. Um uh you know, I got I got some friends with some some good bands like uh Asuela Grind from from Massachusetts. Definitely check them out. Um Dark Sister from Tennessee, which is uh not a hardcore band at all, but they're one of my favorite bands. Hell yeah. Um and uh and entry from california um definitely good bands to check out um and i'm gonna say this because i know i'm super into video games i know a lot of other nerds are into hardcore so maybe other people that listen to your show are into video games yeah uh check out forgotten freshness classic gaming Mm -hmm. from mechanicville new york um even if you're not in upstate new york like the albany area uh they do sell stuff online and actually for you Pennsylvania people, um, I didn't mean to make the f- like fist like, um, you know, I'm making the fist like 
like the two fists against each other. I did not mean to threaten the state of Pennsylvania. Um, I'm it's just a excited. friendly. It's a friendly fist bump. It's, yeah, it's a friendly like you know like you know pound the fist, bro. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a convention in King of Prussia, which yeah. is the fucking weirdest name for a town, but King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. or or maybe it's the next town over. Sorry, it's the next town over. Oaks, Pennsylvania. Too many games yeah, yeah. expo. Right. Are you going to be there? I will be there. I'll will be helping you? out Forgotten Freshness. Yeah. Dude, no way. Because Rob told yeah. me Rob told me uh, to come out. And I have a friend who lives five minutes down the road from that convention center. So I'm, I oh, think yeah. I'm going to be able to head out to that. It's at the beginning of June, right? Uh, no, it's later in June. It's uh, okay. whatever weekend June 23rd is. Oh, okay. It's like that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I wrote um, it down on my calendar upstairs. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Um, I always try to get Dave Heck to come out, but uh, it's it's awesome. Um, there there's some like events and panels and stuff, uh, but I'm helping out the Forgotten Freshness booth, and it's like super fucking busy the whole time, so I don't really get to check out a lot of other stuff. For sure. But speaking of hardcore, uh, Anthony from Jesus Peace owns a video game store, and he's always set up at Too Many Games as well. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in a couple months. I don't know for sure if he's going to be there this year, but I just assume he'll be set up there this year. Yeah. Um, his store used to be called Delco Land Games, and now I think it's called Players Choice Games. Players Players Choice Gaming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's fucking wild. Uh, definitely recommend checking it out. Um, usually Vincent is there helping at the Forgotten Friendship booth from a Casey Strain, but um he'll be busy with something music related at that time, which okay. I don't think he's, I just know that he said he can't TBA he can't help out this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I um actually, we were talking about this before you and I, because um I meant to pull my super Nintendo game box and sh- show you how obnoxious it is. Now it's sitting around the other room there, but um yeah, I, I definitely want to go because I always, uh, that, became a thing for uh, my son and i we oh like, awesome yeah we we like going to i mean i had i have two oh, yeah, you said Nintendos you, you, and yeah you say so you guys like going to like uh flea markets and, and yeah picking out new games right That's he awesome. picks them yeah. he picks them out and then uh okay. we just you know we buy them and go home and play them and honestly there's a lot of bad super nintendo games out there. oh yeah yeah <laughs> there's a whole shit pile <laughs> of bad ones but there's you know for every bad one there's a good one so you know we've we've Definitely. played them all um, yeah. All right. And uh, before I before we part ways, uh, I have two quick questions that um, okay. I meant to ask you earlier and I forgot. The first one is where did the name of name of your label come from? Oh, shit. You had to go there. You had to go. Oh, is there. this a whole thing? No, not really. OK. Uh, so Mitsuba is. Uh, it's uh, an ancient word meaning. Uh, depending on the context, uh, like friendship or like, let's go. Okay. Um, and in certain contexts, it can also be used to mean like escape or freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people think it's Japanese. It's not Japanese. It's like, I did think that that's why I asked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the way I spell it anyway, is like the way you would spell those sounds. If you were like taking a Japanese word and spelling it in English. Um, but it's, uh, it's like, it's so it's like ancient it's like basically from another world basically um but yeah uh 
my understanding anyway is you know that means like friendship let's go or mm-hmm. in certain contexts it could mean like escape or freedom like this way to freedom cool and it sounds yeah. really cool it's a good name yeah um, which was important and also not already taken which was also important <laughs> oh my god the name game is so hard anymore everything is taken yeah. Um, and then the other question that I have, which it's pretty, pretty good icing on the cake question here. Uh, okay. what is your favorite part of hardcore? Wow. It might sound corny, but the friends, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who I've met outside of hardcore as well, but you know, I've never been like, uh, uh cool guy you know what i mean like in uh like even in like elementary school i was like a nerdy kid you know um and i feel like uh a lot of a lot of the people that gravitate towards underground music or at least hardcore i don't know that much about other underground music scenes but at least with hardcore a lot of people that gravitate towards they're also kind of like i don't, I don't want to say misfits um because i feel like that kind of has some negative connotations possibly but um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with being, uh, you know, maybe wired a little different from most people, but, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's to paraphrase, uh, Justin from most precious blood said this a long, long time ago. Um, you know, without the message, hardcore is just heavy metal. And I agree with that hundred percent. So like the message is super important, but also because of that message, and it's not always the same message for sure, but because of that, certain types of people gravitate towards hardcore. And I've made so many lifelong friends through hardcore that I never would have crossed paths with otherwise all over the world. Uh, some have never even been in the same room with, like I have some friends in Japan who I still haven't met. I will someday, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know like people we were talking about earlier like uh dave heck you know who our bands happen to tour with you know or sorry our our bands happen to tour with each other and you know we've been friends ever since my friend tara who got me this sheets shirt um you know met her at at a show and uh like she used to like let you know let us crash at at her apartment and stuff like that Mm um i have friends in in europe uh and it's like yeah you can go to europe and like meet people but if you go to shows in europe you're gonna meet like a whole different type of people Mm -hmm. and uh i don't know man it's weird talking to people you know like i said earlier i'm 41 years old like literally not metric like literal Mm -hmm. like actual numbers 41 years old none of that metric shit and uh, you know, I work in my day job with a lot of people who are like, you know, norms or, you know, oh, squares, yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, went to the fucking, you know, got some brewskis with whoever. And, you know, but of course, you know, the the fucking wives had to ruin the fun and just like talking about all this fucking corny shit and like how yeah. they hang out with their <laughs> friends and how they talk with their friends. And I'm like man, I'm so glad I'm not one of you fucking people. Like, like, I like I said, I have plenty of friends outside of hardcore, but I've just made so many friends, like by being in this subculture where 
we're not gonna i don't know man it anyone listening to this show i'm sure can understand what i'm trying to say oh know? dude i mean it's like i i just had somebody ask me how my weekend was um it, it's funny i went to two different customers today and the first one asked me how my weekend was and i was like it was great just had some fun you know it was, yeah. it was good you know uh, and then I went to the next one and he's, he's an older guy who like rides BMX and, you know, listens to like okay. suicidal tendencies and shit. Like he, oh, awesome. you know, like, yeah, like yeah, he's, yeah. he's in his fifties yeah. and he's, he's, he gets it. He's, and, uh, he said, how was your weekend? And I was like, oh man, I got the fuck beat out of me Friday night watching some hardcore <laughs> band. Saturday night, went to a community center up in Johnstown, got the fuck beat out of me. <laughs> like, you right. know, he's like, that oh, dude yeah, understands. like yeah, he gets it. He gets yeah. it. And yeah. And it's just like, I, I completely understand what you're saying because like I deal with so many people every single day that it's just like, if you even knew the kind of rooms that I stand in, then you would think <laughs> that I was just an absolute insane person. And maybe I am to an extent, but that's the kind of chaos that I need in my life to make me feel balanced and put a yeah. smile on and be able to do what you fucking do every day. So Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, people like would hear even just hearing the type of music that we're into would be like what is all this fucking yelling but it's like dude if i'm not yelling that shit like you know playing the songs or like yelling it back to the band that's playing like i'm gonna lose my fucking mind you know yeah i I think that there's you know people people drastically underestimate the therapeutic element of not not only just hardcore but live music in general but i would absolutely i would even say in that vein hardcore we're we're probably the extremists you know like we're we're probably like the al-qaeda of live music fans (laughs) but um you know you you really you grow accustomed to that kind of chaos and it's just i think there's not only is it a release for you, but it's also, it makes you feel a little bit more normal to be in a room surrounded by people that also are just like you and that are participating in the same thing and getting the same high from it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, sometimes like, um, you know, when a band has like the right type of lyrics, like if it's, it's not even necessarily like negative lyrics, but you know, if it's something about like the fucking state of the world or something like it feels so good to be screaming those lyrics along with a room full of people who it's like, ah, thankfully like these people fucking get it too. Like, even if, you know, everyone I see in my daily life, you know, thinks like everything's fine. Like at least these people are pissed as well. Then there's also say like the sick of it all song, good looking out, which is about friendship. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, dude, I don't know if you know off the top of your head the song I'm talking about, but it's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, when life's not fair, true friends will always be there. And at the beginning, like, you know, the like the music's going for a second, and then it just cuts out to vocals like, whoa. And uh, dude, being in a room full of people at a Sick of It All show, whether it's like fucking 50 people or fucking 500 people, I've seen Sick of It All play both scenarios many times and they fucking kill it every time. But hearing a room full of people, no matter the amount of people, like hitting that fucking vocal harmony together is like such a fucking warm feeling, even if like by the next beat, like people are fucking spin kicking each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's just such like it's a fucking warm feeling. I don't know how else to describe it. 
Yeah. And I know not everybody needs that, but people like us need that. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm fucking 90 and like, you know, and you can't mosh anymore. Yeah. I mean, I don't mosh now, but (laughs) it's going to be way worse when I'm 90. (laughs) I, I joke. I joke sometimes like with my friends about how like, we're just going to be the weirdest old people. Like, yeah, absolutely. you know what I mean? It's, it's going to yeah. be so, you know, like our grandparents were telling us stories about how, like, I remember like my papa would tell me stories about how like a crazy Saturday for them is, you know, he would have 15 cents and he would go down and, and to the movie theater and watch the news reels and everything <laughs> all like all morning. And then they'd hit the arcade you know, and then they'd go get ice cream. <laughs> then they'd go get ice cream. <laughs> I'm like, man. Right. And and like, th- then, you know, <laughs> a- after all that, like, oh, I was, you know, probably slept great after such an exciting day, you know? Yeah. You might get to kiss like, a girl. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's like, God, I mean, most of our stories would start with like, well, drove four hours first, you know? Right. <laughs> exactly and i have stitches because yeah oh dude i uh i saw um like you know since i have a smartphone like everybody else like you know google or apple whichever it is that day will remind me of what i was doing fucking 12 years ago but apparently i broke my leg on tour 12 years ago oh really uh, yesterday yeah (laughs) um why how uh, what'd you do uh i'll try to make this quick because i know it's late but at the time, I was singing in a band called Damnation Alley um, from Albany. There's also one from Florida, not them. Uh, Damnation Alley from Albany. We were only a band for a couple of years, but we were on tour um, down the East Coast and back. And we were playing uh, a house show in South Carolina. Um, and Full of Hell and Double Dealer were on that show as well because they were on tour together. And we had a couple of shows at like our tours like linked up you know yeah and um uh someone fell into me like while we were playing mm-hmm. um it was like a high school kid he was like fucking 90 pounds probably but he like fell into me at like the right angle um like from the side and kind of like rolled into me and um uh just shattered the top of my tibia wow uh, yeah but i but that was like 20 seconds into our first song Finish mm-hmm. the set, finish the tour. Um, Tough. Yeah, uh, I think there was only <laughs> one show after that, and I had to do it on crutches. Um, Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy yeah, anniversary, like, man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it still hurts. <laughs> um, yeah, but hilarious. yeah, you know, at least it happened doing something fucking for most people pretty crazy, yeah. and not like just you know slipping in the shower. Yeah, man. You gotta, you gotta have adventures in life. Make some stories. Exactly. All right. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me.